Welcome to Business Talk Sister Rock. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today's episode title is How to Develop an App. And with us today, we have Mark Hartman and Tyreek. And I did not grab your last name. So could you tell us what it is? Oh, right. No worries at all. Uh, most people don't. Um, it's El Kibalon. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah, El Kibalon. I'm kind of thankful I didn't have that in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I know, like, um, it, it kind of, it's, 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 it's uh, this is a word, sibilic, you know, like, it just, it kind of sounds like how exactly how it's parsed out, but it's like, when you first see it, you know, you panic, you know, I, I remember it was a headache, <laughs> even as a kid, learning how to, um, how to spell that last name. It was, yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for being with us today. We are excited to have you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so our first question... Welcome. For you guys today is what do you do? Okay, all right. So um, as of myself, I'm the CTO of Alosha, and I typically handle, for the most part, a lot of the the technical implementation aspects of the app and and website as well. Um, I think most of Alosha, if not all of it, was is coded and software by me, um, and uh, a lot of the, I do a lot of the UI design for the app as well. Uh, with a couple of uh, kind of outsourcing things here and there at, at the end of the day, I, at my core, I am an engineer. So some of the more design-ish type things like illustrations and things like that, a lot of gradients I, I kind of struggle with. But I, for the most part, I do a lot of the UI design for, um, for our branding uh, across the platform. Okay, so you said a couple different things there. You said like the um, Alosha, which I'd love for you to explain. And then I think you said that was it the OI design? Oh, I'm sorry. UI, UI. So you, sorry, my bad. <laughs> Could you yeah, explain those? Yes. Um, so yes, Alosha is a, um, it's a, it's a, it's a music platform that Mark and I co-founded, I think about a, a couple years ago to basically help aspiring artists um, kind of get out there and, you know, sell their artwork, their music, their paintings, their sculptures. Um, while, um, you know, in order to earn a profit during the early days of their careers, uh, we saw the potential to help these, you know, young and aspiring artists or new, new artists for the most part, uh, because a lot of the, um, like the galleries and other places, they take like a significant cut, maybe some, I think, was it 50% cut commission on the artwork. And um, at least with Alosha, you know, we only take a, I think it's a 25% commission on the artwork that's sold and we only get paid when the artists get paid. And so we wanted to be able to um, build a platform for artists uh, to, to help, you know, get them started in their art career. Um, so that's what Alosha is. And um, that's the, the business that Mark and I have started. Um, now on the topic of UI design, um, that right there is called short UI is a user interface. And it's, um, it's the basically creating the layouts for any type of technically, it really is any type of um, interface you interact with any other type of system, you could even consider your car dashboard a, a user interface um, system. Um, but in this case, within Alosha, I designed the user interface of the app, the, the buttons you press, the uh, you know, tap this button, you go to this screen, you go to that screen. Um, just, I've set the colors and, and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's basically, it's, it's user interface design. It is, it is art, but it's a little bit more of like 
you know, art in motion, so yeah. to speak. And, and people, you know, how do you use this picture to get done what you want to get done? You know, that's user interface design. You watch. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like practical technological art, which is really cool. Um, okay. So tell us about your why. You touched a little bit on like that you wanted to have something different than like a gallery for artists, but um, what was your why behind getting started with this? And Mark, if you want to jump in on this too, you definitely can. Okay. I mean, because uh, originally we got started, um, you know, working on it a couple years ago and um, as a, uh, it, was, it was a contract that Mark wanted to basically build it. And I, I bought, he bought me on as a business partner to get it rolling in the initial um, launch of the product. And then uh, later on, you know, uh, I kind of seen a little bit of the, uh, you know, the viability of it from a business perspective. And, you know, I joined on as a co-founder, um, basically having a, uh, equity in the, um, in, in the business um, and just contributing my technical expertise. Now, Mark himself is actually, he, he's actually an artist, full-blown artist. I'm a little bit more on the technical side. So Mark would definitely be able to um, be able to kind of go into a lot more details on what really drives, you know, the artists and a lot of the, the needs. He sees that Alosha basically bridging, that the gaps that Alosha, he sees Alosha bridging for a lot of these uh, aspiring artists. Yeah. So Mark, go ahead and, and jump in and tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely, absolutely. The the main reason why we have created this application is because uh, struggling musicians, right? So when I was a musician, or I still am, uh, completely uh, full blown, I was spending so much money um, on trying to get my music out into the world, and I was nothing. I, well, I was getting nothing back, and so when when creative people. <clears throat> For instance, when they put out all the artwork and they create a video and or they create music, they don't they don't get nothing every turn. They keep spending money on equipment. They keep spending money on paints, uh, canvases, and things of that nature, but they get nothing in return. Um, my main mission was why why don't we give something for them? How did you go about building the concept design? For the app and I know some people would call for like a website I've heard of it as like a wireframe um like how how did you go about saying this is where what what needs to go where and how do all these pieces fit together well I got it from different applications for instance uh SoundCloud Spotify and YouTube uh iTunes and everything like that they all charge uh subscriptions I didn't I didn't want subscriptions in the beginning what I wanted to do was charge like a commission fee. Uh, it's not 25%, it's 15%. And I want to make the artist uh, the most vocal uh, out there. Nothing about us, just just the artist, uh, him or herself um, uh, vocally. And, and the concept was when I was dreaming about the opportunity that, that I would want in in the world that I would want uh, at first it started selfish um, it was all for me and then I was like uh, there's so many people could benefit from this instead of you know just benefiting benefiting myself yeah 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So um, let, maybe maybe getting more into like the the technical piece of it because we um, I think that that's really cool like how you were talking about how it relates to iTunes and um, and things like that and how you were kind of seeing Spotify and the comparison there. Um, so how did you and maybe this would be more of a question for Tariq like how did you um, get into what kind of programming languages are necessary to be an app developer? I guess in, in my case, it was a little bit more of with the language I decided to roll with and the, the framework that I used to develop the app. Um, I, I looked at the landscape and uh, I did look a little bit at like what was currently available for what would work well for um, uh, Alosha. Um, a couple of the considerations that you have to take or you have things you have to take into consideration is um, kind of your user audience, the, the type of features you're trying to implement and um, you know your, your time to product launch. So there's this concept in app development where we have native apps and, and we also have hybrid apps. So native app is like an app that is specifically tailor-made for just say your iPhone. It only works on iOS, basically the iPhone, or it only works on Android, not both. It, it just only works on Android. Um, now that's great if you have a lot of, if your app is feature rich, it touches, uses a lot of things like location services, um, you know, the, the health kit on iOS. And I think uh, Google has something similar over on Android. It's escaping me right now. And other types of uh, really device specific features. That's where native, app development shines, but it's unfortunate with that because you then have to go and develop the app twice. Um, we saw with Alosha that, you know, a lot of the features are kind of more, you know, standard. It wasn't necessarily feature rich by, you know, we weren't asking for people's locations, their contacts, their health information. All they're really doing is, is uploading, you know, images of their artwork or, you know, audio files and, you know, just displaying it and creating a marketplace for artists that basically highlights their content. And with this, you know, the requirements being like that, I was like, well, let's go ahead and create a hybrid app. It won't give us, you know, a lot of that super high powered features that you would get with a native app, but we would only have to write the app just uh, once. And then we would be able to launch it on Android and on the iOS stores. Um, and then that basically cuts your development time in, in half, really having to do that. And also greatly reduces your uh, the maintenance as far as keeping the apps up. Yeah, yeah. And that was totally the question I had because I was like, well, I know a lot of people, they develop for one, um, either iOS or Android, and then they don't do the other right away. So I guess my question with that is, um, is there major differences between um, the, the process in getting into the app store and all that kind of stuff. What did you have to watch a bunch of YouTube videos or did you already know how to do this? And what are key things that someone should know if they wanted to try to get an app out there? Ah, yes. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a really, I'm a software engineer by trade. So, you know, I'm actually a, a freelance app developer. Um, I, I work with companies to develop apps and get them to market and, and things like that. Um, so I actually had a background in the field and I had actually gone to school like college, you know, for you know, software, mm -hmm. computer engineering specifically. But I've worked with in my time a lot of people that are kind of uh, self-made software engineers. 
They're, they were just a guy or gal that just started um, watching YouTube videos, looking around on websites like GitHub for open source projects to consider and to, to contribute to. And they slowly but surely built up a, you know, a rather impressive resume. And you know, they're doing very well for themselves right now. Um, although that isn't exactly, it, it is kind of, it's the steeper road to go because you know, a lot of people get really stuck on the whole degree thing. But really, once you kind of, if you go that road, you know, the uh, self-taught approach, you can really do pretty well for yourself once you kind of get your foot in the door with someone that you can kind of put on your portfolio as far as your app goes. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so what are some of the hardest parts about development and how do you get yourself unstuck if you're um, in a place where you're like, I don't know how to move forward? Right, right. So um, I guess the hardest part about development, at least as a, as a software engineer, is, uh, you know, as engineers, we can oftentimes, like, I guess they're really like anybody, um, you get excited about new projects or new possibilities. And during those initial phases of being all kind of juiced up and, <laughs> and excited about, you know, launching an app, um, you have to make sure you, you pump the brakes heavy and you, you know, you pause and you make sure you kind of properly scope out the, the architecture of the, um, of the software application. So with that said, um, like say, you know, with, with Alosha, um, one of the things, this was like kind of a little bit earlier on um, during our process, and I'll try to kind of speak through our experience developing Alosha was, you know, I didn't really architect as well as I could have, you know, in the initial launch of Alosha, the, the layout for how the app would, the code base within the app would be organized. Because when you really, you know, it's kind of a little bit, you can't really just um, compare app development to like, say, building a house because houses are pretty standard and custom. Software is very custom, but if you have a really well thought out architecture, it removes a lot of the variables for you. Um, when you actually get ready to go, you just, you know, have to make sure you don't get too excited and you just go willy nilly, just going crazy at your keyboard, you know, just hacking away. Um, you know, so that was one of the things that I know we learned, uh, or specifically I learned, um, was a, a big one is just make sure before you start working on that app, you know, you, you have a pretty good plan from your technical side. Um, and also from, from the business side as well, you know, and, and making sure you've properly scoped out, you know, your, your, I guess I'll call them sales funnels, but, um, I think our use case might be called something a little bit different with the whole two-sided market approach we've got, but um, make sure you've kind of already got your sales funnels, you know, like, okay, how frequent are you going to send off a push notification to remind people to, you know, upload their artwork, you know, what type of blog posts are you going to accompany with your app to kind of, you know, demonstrate your, how you can actually help people, how are you going to educate people on, on how your app's going to, um, um, you know, help their, you know, their new and aspiring artist career. Um, it's like one of the things I know that I think I know because I'm an engineer that I personally have kind of come up, you know, things you learn as you go in, in business is that especially in a startup, you have to spend half your time in marketing and then the other half in development. And if you're someone like me, you're more of a developer type. Well, you know, well, you know, you know, the, the, the saying, the, um, 
you know, to the hammer, everything looks like a nail, you know, you know, well, that's not a problem with the, you know, getting the message out. I just need to add a new feature because, well, I'm just good with the hammer and that's just what I like to use, you know, and you have to be very balanced with it. But yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of get this picture of like you just like a kid on Christmas day, ripping open presents and then just off to the races, like so excited about <laughs> whatever you're doing. Yeah. So I love that you said like, you just kind of have to have that all prepared and kind of have an idea of what you're doing and what you're working towards. Um, so kind of a question to tie into that is when you are talking about like the actual launching the, the app, can you launch an app that's still under development and then kind of tweak it along the way? Or is there a specific level of readiness that it has to pass before you can actually move forward with the launch? Ah, yes. Um, yeah. So you technically, when you launch an app, it is really still in development. Um, and maybe a lot of people, sometimes developers might not want to admit this, but um, you know, you don't truly know your app works until it hits production and when we say production that means it's live in the app store and it's in people's hands and we're getting a good handle on um you know what type of errors are getting thrown and you know uh, why aren't people you know being able to get to certain pages in the app um and that's 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 really the the, the biggest thing about launching it um you know, and I know any other app developer will tell you this, you know, it's always easier to get the app into the uh, Android store than it is the Apple store. Apple is like really mm. persnickety about, you know, launching apps in their app stores. And there's all types of extra requirements you have to jump through in order to get it through the process. But really, um, you know, one of the things in, in more recent times that I've started to do and you know, anybody listening to this podcast, it probably would help them is to see if, you know, the earlier in the phase you can try to make an attempt to put your app in the app store, the better, you know, um, because I know it usually takes maybe for Apple, it might take about two weeks to, um, you know, get into the app store. And I know recently, you know, I had a little bit of a scare with the app store when I developed an app for someone and um, Apple was claiming that, you know, the subscription feature that we had didn't count as a subscription. Now, as it would turn out, Apple was incorrect and I had to send a you know, summary email explaining how the subscription qualifies to be classified as an in-app subscription. But for a split second, I was sitting there panicked like, oh my God, I have built an app that you know, doesn't qualify to be, you know, for subscription services. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, the Google or Google Play Store had already accepted the app and it was live and everything. But I was like, you know, really sweating bullets over on the um, iOS side of things, trying to push it through to its app store. Um, but that's probably one of the best advice I can kind of come up with for, for your listeners is the sooner you can, even if the app isn't air quote done, throwing up my air quotes here, um, the sooner you can get it published to the app store, the better. And then, you know, you can just have updates week after week after that to just, you know, get it through, just maybe not market it so much during those initial phases before it's, you know, truly done, but just get it into the app store um, basically as early as possible and then market, you know, the, um, the app once it's actually, um, once, you know, it's, you know, it's fully deployed and, and all the features are, are developed. Yeah, that so, is so good. <laughs> oh, my other question was what, because I've heard this from somebody else that we interviewed. They said, I used to be in app development and then I got out of it because it was so much risk. 
And I was thinking about that. I'm like, okay, so that's my question for you. What happens if an app store changes a requirement and uh, what does that do to your app? Right. If, well, it'll kill you. App. <laughs> you know, it's what it'll do. Um, Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it will. Um, I have been, I have been fortunate to not have an app killed like that. Um, but it is something that, yeah, you, you are rolling the dice. It is actually because of the, the nature, um, because of the nature of, um, the app stores and you really you're just at the mercy of google and apple and, and how they feel about you and your app uh, isn't that <laughs> the truth oh man <laughs> yeah it really is and um there you know it's of one of the app development services that you do it's um it is a lot more risky than say web development because web is everything's open you know anybody can get a web server and just spin mm-hmm. up whatever they want grab a domain and just go about their business now, when you're on um, Apple and Google's Play Store, you, you know you're really subject to their um, to their uh, th- their rules, their 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 laws, and everything. And say, like in my case, you know um, the risk I had. You know, I almost had a you know near disaster on this project with the app with the in-app subscriptions, and finding out I was able to talk my way out of that one. But sometimes I've heard stories of people weren't able to you know, and Apple was just stuck in their ways and they didn't want to see it any other way. Um, you know, so it, it is risky. Um, and, you know, sometimes I've, I've had to tell people that, you know, yeah, it's, I, I wouldn't take on a project. I, I've turned down projects because the risk was too much involved because I felt that the permissions that the app was asking for was a little bit too pervasive, you know? Um, and I had a, just a good feeling. Google probably, Android probably would have been okay with it on their store. But, you know, Apple, I'm almost certain would have shut that down. Um, yeah, almost certain they would have. <laughs> okay. Well, we're kind of getting close to time here. I thought of a pun while you were talking and I just wanted to say it. I was thinking, I guess you kind of have to play by their rules. <laughs> get it? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm down with Google that. Google Play, get Google it? Play. Okay. Um, anyways, that was but- so bad. Thank you. I not even have laughed. It's cool. You know, it's funny because I guess how corny it is. It's just, yeah, you know. It's, it's like when you have to jump through all their hoops, you either laugh or you cry. So, you know. Yeah, it's a choice. It's, it's a choice. And I choose to laugh at, you know, all of the, the hoops that I've had to jump through with the app stores through the years. It's been fun. It's a good challenge. I like mm-hmm. challenges. It's definitely the uphill road. And um, it, it's always really good to, you feel really good about, say with Alosha and the UI design, the effort I put in, um, you feel really good kind of giving birth to an yeah. idea when you publish it on the app store for people for the world to use. It, it feels good. Absolutely. Okay. So it's been so cool to learn from you. And you, I know you have, like, I was just thinking the whole time, I was like, man, this guy is so smart. And he has like, just been through so much experience and I don't know it's just cool to, to hear from you so give us some some tools and resources as like anybody who wanted to start um, app development or something like what was really helpful for you and um, what websites or YouTube videos or podcasts even what was helpful for you okay yes so um, my my preferred toolbox for app development is this framework basically built by Google called Flutter 
Um, it's, it's a hybrid framework. Um, it's stable. It's really popular and a lot of other people use it and it has a nice community built around it. Um, but uh, so that's what I know for the most part, but there's other hybrid frameworks out there. I think as a, a general crux to get started, um, I, I would suggest users probably get started building native Android apps and then from there potentially transition into a, a hybrid app platform. So basically that would mean that you would be building an Android app in either Java, that's a programming language or Kotlin. And you can find a, an incredible wealth of, uh, of YouTube videos online, no specific channels in particular to have in mind because there's just so many just really rock star developers out there just uploading, you know, YouTube videos at a rapid clip. Um, <laughs> so, and just start there and become really strong on like one platform. And then from there, start to acquire the skills to understand a, a hybrid platform. You know, a hybrid platform is really, it lets you build for not just Android, but also for iOS, but it gives mm -hmm. you that toolbox to be able to sell your services to people that, you know, need both apps. Mm -hmm. And um, and then from there, it's just a matter of, you know, you'll have to watch a lot of YouTube videos. It'll be very frustrating during those those early stages. And if you like, you know, there are a lot of um, um, uh, kind of software developer schools that as opposed to say someone like me, you go to four year university when technically to do what I do now, I probably only needed about a year or two you know, there's like programs that are like that, that actually will teach you how to do app development for Android or iOS or maybe both and um, kind of give you the school, the, the skills necessary and send you off in, into the world. There's all, there's various ones. I don't, none of them are really coming to me off the top of my mind. Um, mm -hmm. But that's like one of the quickest ways to kind of get into the app development game. Um, is, is just that if you're going to do other, whether it's self-taught, which, you know, following the whole YouTube videos and just playing around, you have an idea and you just want to get in there and tinker, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing about getting into the app development. It's very uh, specific, you know, the, the, the process and you have to be very detail oriented, but as long as you're having fun, you can do it. it just, you just have to have fun. That's the catch. It's going to be very frustrating at times, but just figure out whatever it is, however you figure out how to do it, just make sure you're having fun and you can do it. You can actually do it. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to transition into our gawk portion. Thank you so much for giving us those resources. I'd never yeah. even heard of Flutter, so I'm excited about that. Um, <laughs> so we're our gawk today. You have a story you wanted to share with us about fatherhood, and I'm <laughs> really excited. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm I'm a relatively, uh, I guess, young dad. I'm, I'm about 28. And I actually have, a, I have two sons and a daughter on the way. And um, oh, that's so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. She'll be here. I think July, I think late July is the is the expected date. I don't think we have an exact day yet. But it's like late July is when she's supposed to be okay. here. But uh, my wife and I, you know, my wife, you know, we, we talk from time to time, you know, the kids, sometimes they, um, you know, they get hurt and things like that, or they'll be panicked about stuff. And, you know, it, I, I might not react all that much. I was like, oh, you're all right. Just, just, you know, 
go, you know, go down to the sink, put some water in your eye, you'd be good and stuff. <laughs> Rub you some know. dirt in it. <laughs> Rub some dirt in it, right, right. Rub some dirt in it, you know. Although my father never told me that, but I've had other friends' fathers tell them that, <laughs> like, literally rub some dirt in it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, it reminded me we were talking. I was like, you know what, honey, I, I think I think you're right because I was telling her about this time I went to the my father. He took me to the beach, and um, you know I'm just out there, a little kid. I, I, I couldn't have been no taller, maybe three feet or something. For some reason, I wasn't like kind of a little bit farther out there. I guess you know I called myself having an adventure. You know, you're a little kid. Everything has to be an adventure, and um, you know, um, and I remember. I'm just sitting there playing and all of a sudden I just see a shadow kind of behind me. And as I'm looking over my shoulder, I see it's a wave, you know, for whatever reason, I don't, know where it, right? I don't know where this wave came from. And I'm a little guy at the time. And then the wave comes over and it just whoosh, you know, it just kind of hits me. And I'm kind of just underwater just spinning for like maybe a few seconds. It feels like forever, you know, but at the time I didn't know how to swim. And, you know, when that wave hits you, you're just spinning underwater, just trying to figure out, okay, which way is up and which way is down. Eventually, I get up and I'm, I'm coming over to my dad. He's on the beach under an umbrella, just reading a book. And just, he has no idea his son just drowned and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, hey, I'm over there just like, hey, I'm the, I'm the, you know, you're a kid, you're panicked, you're babbling. You know, you just, blah, 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 blah. No, he, was like, he looked at me, he just grinned and he was like, oh, you having a good time, son? <laughs> and I was just, you know, thinking about it. That's the type of stuff that I do right now with my children. You know, they, they be having meltdowns and I just be looking at them like, you having a good time, sons? You know, because, <laughs> you know, I swear, maybe it's a dad complex or something, but man, we, we do be clueless. <laughs> Like as a kid, you don't even know that I almost died. Right. <laughs> I don't know, I almost died. He just over there grinning, just having a nice little Sunday afternoon on the beach and stuff. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and I ain't gonna lie, you know, you know, as a kid, you sometimes hold stuff against your father and stuff. But as you become an adult and you start to pick up on things, it's like, dang man, I ain't that much better. <laughs> <laughs> Develop a certain level of compassion and understanding. <laughs> right, right. You know, these are yeah. things to work on. We're always working to self-improve and stuff. And you're just like, yeah, I got to do better there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, this has been so fun. Thank you so much, Mark and Tariq, for joining us this week. Um, next week, you guys, we have another episode with them. We're going to be talking about how to promote an app. Uh, we're going to hear a little bit more from um, both Mark and Tariq, a little bit heavier on the Mark side. <laughs> um, you'll have more to say about that. So if you want to tune in next week um, and also just uh, check out Alosha on the um, on the app store yeah yeah <laughs> on the app store um on apple or on android devices um and then if you liked what you heard today then share our podcast with a friend